In a world where you can be anything, be a leader, a mentor, an ally or a role model, gender diversity, equity and equality is everyone's responsibility. In this podcast, we are leading the conversation to help uncover uncomfortable truths, inspirational stories and practical steps you can take to achieve gender equality. Welcome to today's episode of The Impact Room, hosted by myself, Mitali Kohal. Welcome to the very first episode of The Impact Room by Women at Tech. This is very special. Today I'm delighted to bring on Katerina Karelis, someone who, whenever we speak to, I always want to learn and hear more from. Katerina has had an incredible career at some of the world's top tech and financial companies and is radically honest about how to overcome obstacles she has faced, how to navigate her career at key turning points, and Katerina has shared how she recognises her values and her vibe in the workplace. Our aim on this podcast is to help you have the biggest impact in your life and career. We want to share the unwritten rules of business and help you to achieve more whilst having a bit of fun. So, let's get started. Welcome, Katerina. Really happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Matali. Lovely to be here. I feel honoured. I am so excited to dive in, but uh, I wanted to start with uh, an initial question just to learn more about you. Do you mind sharing your kind of career path so far and uh, what's been most rewarding out of that? Oh, wow. Big question. <laughs> Absolutely. I initially started working in smaller companies and then I had my first corporate job in American Express uh, many years ago. Um, I was there for about five years. I loved it. I think it really helped uh put together the groundwork, sophistication of sort of working in the corporate environment um, and learning very uh, robust ways of operating, working and navigating that sort of work culture, workspace and really trying to carve uh, what my niche is going to be. But after several years there, I really wanted to work somewhere in a more dynamic environment. So that's where I started to look into tech high tech specifically um, and really looking into roles in around Silicon Valley where there might be US based. Um, We had uh, quite a lot of change when I was working in Amex and we were part of a new division called prepaid. Back then it was quite a new concept so it's very innovative but as much as we try to retrofit into you know being a tech company but you're still highly regulated with all the regulations being a finance um, company it was quite difficult to have that dynamism which I clearly was looking for so I had left and I started to work for Skype and Microsoft had just acquired them so it was such an exciting time this was over 10 years ago where you know Skype was quite a new technology um, and we went from 300 people to 3,000 in under two years. So I was part of that wave and it was really, really exciting. Um, so yes, from then I've worked in other tech companies, telco companies. I worked in um, HoloLens, mixed reality. So I went from doing a marketing role in finance to then doing a partnership marketing role in, in Skype uh, and Microsoft. Then I went straight into product development, which was in, a, like I was saying, the Holo- HoloLens space. 
Um, and lots of things evolved from then. And uh, where I'm today is at Meta. Um, I'm looking after partnerships across Europe, Middle East and Africa. And what I'd say throughout this entire journey of, I don't know, what is it, 18 years or something? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I'm not counting anymore. Um, you know, the road hasn't been linear. Um, you know, you've had to take uh, different decisions to try out new things, new industries. Um, and you ask the question on what's most rewarding. I, I, I guess it's not just one thing. Uh, but the thing that's very rewarding for me across all the roles is you're working on a project on your desk, on your laptop, or you're having a conversation with someone and seeing that project come alive and in the hands of millions of customers and changing their lives. Um, so I would say that, in retrospect, is what's incredibly rewarding for me. It's an amazing career, Katrina. And Thank I know you. you're only getting started. Yes. Uh, that, that feeling always comes across when, you, when you're sharing uh, kind of your insights and, and growth mindset. Um, I wanted to also ask, what, what do we need to know, those listening, about you to understand how you got to where you are today? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe what are your kind of superpowers or what, is there any experiences you'd like to share that would help people understand who you are? Oh, juicy question. Mm. Um, well, I say I'd say from a personal standpoint, it really is about those early experiences as a child. I'd say. So I'll just share a little bit about myself. I'm born and raised in London. I come from a multi-faith and multi-ethnic uh, household. Uh, my dad is from Greece, and my mum is from Iran. They both came here around the seventies. Yeah, I'd say 70s. But then being, let's say, immigrants um, coming into England and, and sadly their health uh, was comp- is compromised um, somewhat, I always remember having a particular lifestyle with education. I went to a private school, a Greek private school, many years ago for primary. So the age of four, five years old, only for a few years. But I always remember in some ways, you know, we didn't have much money growing up, um, but we still, by we, I mean my family, my parents did prioritise education. But I always felt different. I always felt kind of left out. And even though it was it was a Greek primary school, it's closed now uh, many years ago in the 80s, um, 80s, 90s. And I always felt that I have to do a bit more to keep up. And looking at my parents, you know, they were hardworking. My mum became unwell and diagnosed with an illness called muscular dystrophy. Um, And that felt normal. That was like, oh, yeah, okay. so my mum's a bit different. But anyway, if anyone knows anything about this illness, it's a gradual degenerative illness. So luckily, I still have my mum and dad. But I saw the years sort of deteriorate ever so slowly until when I was about in university, um, when she eventually became in a wheelchair. However, growing up in school, then I went to English school, like a normal English school, so mm-hmm. I wasn't going to that Greek school anymore, but I always felt different from everybody else. So my parents, let's say they are immigrants, coming from a different country, and having the disability and all those issues, I always felt that I had to work even harder than everyone else. And certainly I do have that sense of urgency. I am and always have been very ambitious, and, you know, I speak three languages. I always wanted to stand out. And even today, I always think, OK, what can I do to be different? How can I go against the grain? So for many years, about 10 years, even when I was in um, 
first started in in tech, I always had a second job, like worked on weekends. Um, I think many people did that anyway. I was, uh, you know, late 20s, early 30s. So I I always felt financially, whatever I was getting was never enough. Mm. Um, And then I started... No, actually, that was in Amex. I had a you know a weekend job. I was doing um, tutoring actually, mm. and sort of seeing how I could do um, some side side work there. And then I luckily did getting into tech. You do have more money, I would say, compared to other industries. So I doubled my salary, but even that wasn't enough. It was like, okay, what can I do to have even more and more responsibility, more more experiences. And I think we had talked previously about richness of role. And then that's when I sort of shifted my mindset that it's not just financial stability because you've reached up to a certain amount. You've got X amount of maybe savings or you've bought a house, you maybe bought another house or you've gone on holiday, whatever those things are. You reach to a point that you think, hold on, where's where's the richness in experience in what I'm doing in my day to day? So then I'd say my mindset has shifted on really enjoying what I want to do but knowing that there is a path to something that I really enjoy and also can help others who may be in that position or want to want to grow in many ways. So yeah, I'd say that would has laid the foundation for me to be resilient, strong and just keep on pushing those boundaries. I think it really boils down to who you are and what your values are and what you want to stay solid and what, what you're going to take to the next place that you go. I often find that you could be a radiator, so you radiate that energy or you radiate those values. And whatever industry you're in, whether it's tech or you know uh, retail, finance, travel, whatever that may be, and whatever you're going through in that industry, obviously we've seen a lot of turbulence, is what is that constant thing? that you can control and it and it is your values so I would say going back to the question on what's uh, helping me make these moves and what what things I've come across is very much around being strong and making those bold moves I remember when I wanted to leave the finance industry there was this and there still is this uh, saying or rule I don't know is how can you be successful without changing too many variables and people may challenge me And they always say, well, if you move industry, you should move within the same role. As in, if you're a marketer, you go to a marketer and then you do that. Or uh, if you want to stay in the same industry, but maybe change your role. So you change your job title. So there's not too many risk factors of you, you know, quote unquote, failing or giving that confidence to your future employer. Now, I'm not saying that's not true. But what I want to say is don't let that deter you. And who said you won't have the skill set to achieve great successes in the other role or industry or even level? How are you going to level up or learn something new if you're always doing the same thing? So I really look into transferable skills, both in my, myself and in other people that I've hired. And I, I try and probe those questions and see where we can see some linear skills that would work. And, and also where you would need to work on and how important are the elements that you need to work on. Mm-hmm. What can be taught in the new role and what maybe cannot. Like, for example, some things you, you, you need to have, like if they need, you need to learn, sorry, not learn, but you need to know a particular language. If you don't know it and you need to start engaging with customers in that language, well, I guess that's not for you. So I would say don't feel deterred with what you can't do. 
and focus on, okay, what transferable skills do I have? And if I don't have them, what can I do to learn them in the role I have now, right? What projects can I ask my manager or adjacent teams that I can support with, I don't want to use the word pro bono, but in addition to what I'm doing to expand my skill set. So it's about understanding what, what the skill sets are and seeing how you can expand it and then being bold and just going for it. So exactly. that's a, a piece I'm a of firm believer in that as <laughs> well, um, that we all have a base level skill set. Yes. And we're all, you know, we all have our abilities in certain areas and that means we can probably do a lot of things. We're not just yeah. where we started is not where we'll end up, right? Absolutely not. So you said something really interesting that I'd love to come back to, which was around knowing and understanding your values. So mm. how did you actually identify your values and remain true to them, especially when you kind of made that move, I guess? So, yeah, how, how did you find them in the first place? Was it something that came naturally? Did you actively work on it? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. You're right. So I'd say... You know, my values is, um, well, I'll start with what the values are. It's just been very much principled and supporting others in my situation or in a situation where I see that they need help because there's been times where we have needed help ourselves. And I look around at the people that have helped me out and I've really, really appreciated that. And I always want to be able to pay it back. So I would say one of the key value points for myself is how can I be adding value itself to my team, to uh, the customers and clients I work with? So I work currently in partnerships and it's not about it's someone else's job. It's how can I go that extra mile to be helpful, to be supportive, whether it's internally, whether it's externally, whether it's a problem that my client is, is actually facing? How can I think about this and and help them solve it so one of my values is being helpful and problem solving the other one is again staying true to yourself and really having respect for yourself and those that you work with and then lastly is just being bold and sticking up for yourself and your dreams mm -hmm. you know if you're not happy about something do something about it it's not always easy yeah. um, and in terms of identifying them you ask that question well, actually, sometimes during, let's say, hard times, that's when you really realise what's important to yourself versus the good times. Because you sort of just sail through, right, and don't realise, you know, you could become complacent. So uh, when things are going a bit tough, maybe you've got a manager you're not getting along with, maybe the role you're doing isn't exactly what you thought it would be, maybe it's not picking up at the pace you wanted it to be. So you start really thinking, hold on, what's important to me? Am I still enjoying this ride? So to kind of summarise that, it's you have signals in your day-to-day -day and when you're working, perhaps it's a hard time where things aren't going well or maybe when things are going quite well. And I guess it's being aware and leaning into that a bit more in terms of what is it I like about this or what is it I don't like about that. Yeah. You shared in our kind of initial catch-ups those signals at your first company I think mm -hmm. where you were you were in the finance industry for a number of years mm -hmm. it would be great to hear maybe how you navigated how you went from that into tech like was there oh yeah certain signals that 
helped you make that move and I guess made you feel confident in making that move? Yeah, um, thank you, good, good question. Well, I think I was sharing with you previously that I had some feedback one time or saying that I had too much personality. Yes. Which I thought, what am I meant to do with this feedback? <laughs> what do I, what, what does that mean? <laughs> How? Um, I guess I am bubbly, you know, I do like to chat and be friendly, but that's just my personality. And, and then that actually did make me be a lot quieter, and which wasn't me. I felt that I lost myself a little bit with that feedback and um you know I don't even remember who gave it that's how insignificant it is today but it made it made me think it made me feel quite insecure actually but then I, I like I was saying I gained my strength and I thought hold on who is this person making me feel uncomfortable and and not myself you know so I started looking at places or industries like I was saying the technology industry where having a great person or a bubbly personality a bold personality would be embraced and where there's true growth and dynamism so that's when I started very deeply looking into the tech industry now let's talk about how I did make that shift because I think it's important it's not just learning skill set or everyone's not going to have an open mindset so what I did look at were roles where I did see some similarities and I would say the bridge from what I was doing in American Express to then going into Skype was my partnership experience. And when I went for the interview, they said there's no one here in this particular team that has actually dealt with what they call like third parties or people outside of the the company. And we really like your experience with all the different verticals you've got. And we think that's what's missing. So you could call it maybe a bit of luck that that's what the gap was there. And you can't always predict that. But I saw that what I was saying, the transferable experience or the um, similarities, even though they're very different and it was completely different experience, there were similarities. So I would try and hone in on how you can do that role and, and really um, position yourself in, in the best light as possible to do that. And like I said, if there are any important gaps, see how you could work in the role you have to fill those gaps. So that was my bridge. Exactly. And I think that sometimes people feel that they need to do what they've done and people are only hire for that. And actually, you can apply for a wide variety of roles and take what you've learned as one of the things you can offer that makes you different. But there are always things to learn in a job. And most of us were not born to work in the tech industry. We've learned everything, right? right? So um, completely agree with you. So I have another question on this before we we change change the lane, which is you kind of mentioned it around meeting somebody with opposing values to your Mm. core values. But Mm. are there any other experiences you'd like to share on how you've dealt with that? I'm imagining somebody listening to this might be, you know, in a team where they really feel like they're always going against the grain. Um, how, How did you kind of navigate when you're facing somebody with different values, how, how do you deal with that? Is there any examples you have to share? Yeah, I mean, I'd say many times mm-hmm. um, with both internal or even external people you're working with. You know, I've done a lot of press events and things like that where I've worked with journalists or, um, you know, we, we've got a big term here in, 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 in Meta where we call cross-FN, so you're dealing with lots of people across outside of your team. I would say always 
keep your core uh, professionalism. So even though inside, I think we were talking about this, you want to like scream or, (laughs) you know, really tell them what you're thinking. Always keep that professionalism because you may regret it. Sometimes it's a, a way of trying to push your buttons even, and they may know that. So just keep yourself one degree zoomed out as easy it is to say and sometimes we we can't always be like that but take a step back take a breather as they say take a step back and evaluate why is that person being like that what's going on in their life or their role or their day that's created that type of response and not everyone is worth educating not everyone is worth explaining yourself or your values even Um, some people are obviously uh, and some people just you know they're not there to, to 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 hear you or maybe it's not the right time i think i had shared an experience before with you guys uh, when we were talking previously where we i was working in nokia uh, a few years ago and we were launching a, a new product a flagship device and i was in um, barcelona for mobile world congress and someone had come up to me who had asked me can they speak to someone regarding the particular product so it's myself and a female designer Um, In fact, it was my product that I had, you know, I was the product marketing lead on that. And they said, no, I want to speak to a man. And I I couldn't believe it. I I couldn't believe the audacity, to be honest, for them to be so open and ask that without even explaining why. And I just stood there and I was like, well, no, me and my colleague, happy to help. And little did he know you're talking to the best people that you can speak to about this particular product because you've got the designer and you've got the person who built the value proposition around it. Um, And I just thought I'm not even bothered to waste my breath. I went and called a colleague over on the demo stand. But I did go back to my boss and our leadership and kind of explained very calmly what had happened and they were oh I can't believe this happened I was like oh no I'm absolutely fine but I'm just letting you know this is what's still going on today in this era and what are we doing about it you know um, we had about 50 50 percent split of male and female but really who was making the decisions at the table you know at the boardroom where big decisions are being made so I'd say not necessarily to challenge them but really bring the awareness and have those conversations with your leadership if you do see uh, things that just doesn't resonate with your values. You know, that person, whether they were talking about race or gender, they weren't being respectful and they didn't even give a reason why. But I'm not there to change that one individual. I'm there to see where I can influence the company I work for or my team or, you know, at least it doesn't happen where we are and just raise that experience. And a lot of times people don't know that these things are happening. You know, I was quite shocked myself, but there you go. They do still happen. They do, absolutely, sadly. Thank you, Katerina, for sharing these insights on how to identify, learn your values and finding yourself. I wanted to switch now to dive into workplace cultures because, Mm -hmm. yes, knowing your own identity and values is one thing. Navigating the culture that's within, sometimes it gives you guardrails, but sometimes it's challenging. So can you give me some thoughts on when you've been part of a culture and you maybe haven't 
felt like it aligns with your values or identity and and what that felt like and what you did about it mm-hmm. well I guess you know we've all had it quite hard with covid and lockdown and you know trying to keep a culture going when you're maybe at home and not used to working from home or being at home. So I think that hasn't helped or maybe has helped in evolving how that could be. But um, let's say going back to work from staying at home after lockdown, it's very much around a vibe, I would say. What's the vibe? What's the culture? And when making a decision of what role to go for or what companies to work for, it's a two-way process. It's not just they're making a decision on you it's also one of the key questions I like to ask someone is how's the team like what's the team dynamics what's the vibe of the workplace what are the values of that workplace and then does that match with yours and it might sound like such a strange evaluation that we do in this day and age because people you know with all the job carts people are like oh, you, you, who cares about that? You know, you need a job now. We've got to pay the bills. But like I said, I, I, I try and look at a multifaceted approach to making a decision. So I think it's really important on what the work culture is like, who you're going to be working with, because these people are going to be your your partners and your people that you support and they support you and really kind of laying the foundations of where you go next as well. You don't always get that from an interview, but I think it's always good to ask people in that company um, or maybe in the team just to get an understanding and just going in with eyes wide open. Mm. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's okay if it's not because, you know, things, it is quite turbulent these days and lots of, um, you know, changes to the environment, uh, working environment. But you can also bring that vibe yourself. What type of vibe do you want to be creating that you would value? It's not just a one-way process, I would say. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting point. I guess something we've learned from COVID is hybrid uh, mm. ways of working is here to stay. Mm-hmm. And I think companies are grappling with how to make that work best. And yeah. we've definitely seen uh, return to office be a hot topic definitely. Um, <laughs> with various companies, right? <laughs> so you mentioned the vibe, and I think that's so important. With uh, creating the vibe, is there Mm -hmm. any more thoughts you have around that in terms of perhaps using your networks or you've kind of mentioned that in the past, the power of networks. How can people tap into that a bit more to create the vibe that they want? Well, great question again. I would say sometimes if you don't have what you want where you are, when I was saying about you could go and create it, you can bring into the network that you have and the connections that you have to see what you can introduce where you are um okay so that's a bit long-winded answer but what I'm trying to say is see what tools you've got around you the people that you know who can be uh, an interesting person that you can engage with that could be helping out your team maybe your team is going through many changes with management for example Maybe you can network and see who you could introduce to bring in and do a talk to your team specifically. It doesn't have to be something big on a stage, on a panel with lots of people and microphones in your face and, you know, things like that. It could just be something quite intimate or be open to mentoring or coaching. I think it's really important to have a role model as well to sort of see, OK, you're not happy about something or you want to be creating a vibe where have you seen at work? What are they doing that you're maybe you're not doing that you can learn from? 
And I think it goes beyond organising happy hours or things like that. It's really a sentiment within that team and, and, and really digging into deeper on what's really going on. What are maybe the issues or the non-existing vibe and why mm-hmm. uh, and how and what would make it interesting. And it could e- easily be just lending a hand and going out for coffee. Um, I think these days we're so chained to the desk, so chained to the laptop, like you're saying, this hybrid work and meetings. What can you do outside of the working environment, even for an hour? That could just get your mind off the day-to-day to help you think creatively, gain your confidence a bit, you know. I just came back from an event in Milan for work and I was a bit anxious because of all the work I was leaving behind and things like that and the fact that I won't be on my laptop. But I had to engage with clients, customers. We were doing an event like I explained and I had to be present. And there was something magic about being present. And I felt so enlightened and light and now that I'm back, it was only a couple of days, I feel so creative, lots of ideas coming to me. And sometimes you need, I won't call it a break because it wasn't a break, but it was a change of your day-to-day. And again, a different vibe, mm-hmm. different people, um, sort of thinking a bit laterally to your day-to-day, I think is important, which can help to that vibe creation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think working in a lot of uh, the companies we're surrounded by in in the tech industry i've noticed you know people don't take time out to go on training you know the day job the day job and actually if you don't prioritize that time for yourself nobody else will no one else will and i'm definitely somebody that if i've been in the same place for two days for more than two days and that doesn't mean like like even in the office like changing mm. the spaces I'm in mm. or sometimes working from a coffee shop or my home or whatever I think that is inspiring to me and I know oh, good. people do get different energies right exactly so, and it's a maybe understanding a bit around that yeah good um point. I know that our listeners might find networking an intimidating term mm-hmm. and you've mentioned it a couple of times mm-hmm. what is networking to you because Mm -hmm. you make it sound very easy and I I believe it is um (laughs) and it's not what we think it is so what what is networking and how if somebody is trying to build their network let's say in tech how could they go about that yeah no you're right I guess it could mean different things to different people especially those that have introverted personalities they might find it a bit hard to take that first step I would say networking, if you look at what the essence of the word is, it's about connections. It's about leaning in to those that you trust and even taking a few bold steps on, uh, you may not know somebody and they're in a particular network or group. By network, I mean a group. Maybe it's uh, women in networking, women in tech, women in the UK. So tap into those sort of interest areas and just reach out. Take a time out to reach out maybe on LinkedIn or even social channels or through friends as well. And what I would say is be mindful of people's times as well. I think sometimes, like you were just saying how busy you are, we are traveling, you know, there's a lot of things going on, meetings. People do want to help, but they might not have the time. So I think having a te- reaching out and saying, have you got 10, 15 minutes? And you know what? I think everyone would have 10, 15 minutes for you. And often than not, you'll find that they might spend a bit more time with you or you could follow up. And one nice way of networking is also offering yourself your time to other people that may 
uh, find valuable learning from you as well. So it's not just about what you can gain, it's about what you can give. Um, and then that will be reciprocated, I find. So networking could be, it's not just your usual, um, you know, get together, go and see a, an event and, you know, be in a big group. It could be done in intimate settings. And um, yeah, that's what it means to me, sort of leveraging across the, the power of friends, really, and exactly. allies. Exactly. I think we've talked about work culture I just wanted to shift the dial on societal culture, mm. especially around women and the pressures around being a working woman, yes. which is a term I struggle with, but <laughs> yeah. we'll put that to the side for now. Yes. Have you felt any societal pressure and how did you navigate that? I don't know. Um, I would say, yes, there's definitely been pressures. I've been in conversations where people have literally done resource planning and looked at the ladies' ages. And no joke, I've been in the conversation like this. They're like, oh, wow, she's nearly 30. Right, soon they're going to um, have babies and go on maternity leave. This person was a female. And I was wow. like, what do you mean? How do you know even? How do you know that's what they want to do? And in some ways, I guess, yeah, females, women do feel um, as if you're being penalised because you want to procreate and start a family or... You know, like we were saying earlier, you might have other responsibilities, not just children, like caring for a loved one or caring for a parent or um, family member. You know, there's different types of pressure. So I guess I have felt personally some pressure, like I said earlier, of maybe having to take care of my mum. I didn't want to show that, oh, I can't manage. I want to show that that's not a problem. My personal life isn't interfering with my work life. But I think... As I've progressed in career and so forth, and especially working in some great companies where they are very open-minded, you are not just a corporate employee. You are a, a human being that's a rounded person that has family and these, uh, or has responsibilities. Um, so these things shape you. I, I would say, you know, how do you deal with them? The great thing is, I remember in Amex many years ago, I was so inspired. I saw so many ladies going on maternity leave and coming back promoted. I could not believe it. I thought, wow, wow, how are they doing that? And not just one, not that one sole case. It was so many ladies you saw around the office. And again, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier to my childhood. We've got to be that one step ahead. It goes to your networking. Whilst you're on that maternity leave, if you're lucky to go on maternity leave, what do you do during that time to help you with your next two steps ahead? So exactly. what you're doing today isn't just what you're doing today. Is What am I doing now to lay the foundations for what I would like for myself tomorrow when I'm back from maternity leave? Or, or even if you're not on maternity leave, you've been, like you said, a woman in business. What can you be doing to lay the foundations for your own future? How long do you want to be doing this role? Do you let your boss and network know that, right, this is what I'm doing, but this is where I want to go. Uh, maybe you want to be a people manager or maybe you are a people manager and you want to move, you know, uh, actual uh, skill set and, uh, and departments. So there's all these different things. And yes, the stats show us that being a, a woman in business is harder for us compared to our male counterparts. So I, I would say more education, more talking about it and just being aware of it. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you.
This year has reminded us that change is definitely constant and in tech we've experienced so much with layoffs and uh, record level burnout rates and as we continue to work in this like virtual and hybrid world things are a bit hard. An alarming stat that I saw earlier this week from the ONS, Office of National Statistics, for the UK is that the number of women in the industry has declined by 3,000 between January and March this year. And even though the tech industry is growing as a whole, Mm -hmm. female representation lags very far behind. So this is a topic that's very close to our hearts. Mm -hmm. When the industry is growing... Women are being left behind and there are barriers, most of which are invisible. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions around that. You are a leader in your industry and in your role, right? And in this turbulent climate where things are challenging to like retain your job and be a manager, let alone uh, worry about these women's issues, let's say, Mm -hmm. on top... As a manager, do you have any practical advice and tips for what people could do in their positions to help retain women and amazing uh, female talent in their businesses? Yeah, I mean, it's very, you know, disappointing to hear these stats and to know that it's still happening today in 2023. First thing I'd say is don't be your own blocker, number one, right? And knowing that these pay gaps exist and there's issues in retaining talent in in the female space, I would recommend, one, making it very visible with what's going on, with the right people in the right teams. So not just in a micro way, but across departments and having an advocate that can actually influence. So speaking to um, key leads that have decision-making power, outside of your immediate team, I'm talking departmental or business unit and have people nominated to be leading those conversations and like we were talking about earlier one is about being aware and educating people because not everyone is aware no one knows these stats always at the tip of their tongue Um, so you have to be proactive in actually researching and understanding because companies aren't necessarily advertising this are they And then two, how do we create something that companies can be accountable for? And then the frequency. So we've got these stats, but we don't really know why. Why are women feeling that they need to leave? Or why why is it so difficult to retain this great talent? So I think it would be good to start a, a pulse survey. How can we actually do a mini survey that's anonymous within the companies that we work for to really understand how women and men are also feeling about this. So number one, just sort of doing a bit of an assessment. And then secondly, coming up with strategies on what can we do to retain the talent that exists? And then what can we do to attract new talent in this hemisphere of ours? And then how can we make ourselves accountable? And how often do we do this? At what trajectory? It's, it's, it's not easy. But I think we have to make ourselves accountable and the companies that we work for accountable as well. If it's important to us, we should be raising our voices and and showing that. No one is going to fight your corner. You have to fight for what you believe in. Exactly. Exactly. Completely agree. And on that thought, I think that economic parity 
within tech is an issue as well. Mm. And we know, at least for the UK, the pay gap persists at 9.4% between men and women uh, as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it's even more within the tech industry. And you mentioned, you know, we focused on being a leader and a manager, Mm -hmm. but also what can an individual, like, let's say there's a woman listening to this feeling underpaid and not in line with inflation and, Mm. you know, not not getting what she wants. How how can women bridge their own pay gap? Do you have any advice on that? Yeah, do you know, I I would say do an evaluation of what is really fueling your cup. And that could be really look around, am I going to get it where I am here today? Is it this team? Is it this company? And I'm not saying leave. I'm just saying really evaluate is of evaluate your situation and what you can do to influence speak up but then also start looking at again through your network and asking people where they are seeing traction where are they happy are they seeing their voices heard and either bring in those learnings where you are but if it's not working for you if if that vibe that we were talking about earlier isn't working alongside to your values it's okay to to look elsewhere within the same industry if that's the industry you want to be in. So we're not necessarily saying abort the situation. <laughs> it's around actually exploring and seeing where you can actually grow, both financially, but also richness in role. Exactly. Thank you so much, Katerina. Um, My pleasure. Thank you. It's been amazing. You know, in this discussion, we've covered how to identify your values and how to stay true to yourself when let's say the workplace culture has been different or challenging and also we've explored those societal pressures that we go through as well and I guess we've ended with a sobering reminder that the work is far from done yes and we can actually play a role absolutely are there any last thoughts before we uh go to our our new tradition on the podcast Mm -hmm. uh yeah I would say there's a quote by Hemingway that I really love and it's around courage in staying graceful under pressure so that's something I I try and remember and I'd like to leave with people so during these turbulent times challenging times and difficult times when you're faced with someone that's maybe not aligning with your values like you were talking about earlier just be courageous and stay graceful under that, those pressures because that's something no one can ever take away from you is who you are and what's important to you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank for today. you. So we do have this tradition to end with some quick fire questions. Okay. So first one, what is your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure, I would say I love jasmine tea. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean... 15 cups a day. <laughs> yes, I top up, not a new tea bag each time, but I like loose leaf jasmine tea. I'm obsessed, have been for many years. So, yeah, I'd say jasmine tea is my okay. guilty pleasure. I'm not sure how guilty that is because no, it's quite healthy. sounds very healthy. Yes. Great. I wish I could be. That could be mine. Um, what is your favourite city in the world or place to visit? Well, definitely I'll say the Greek islands. So I like to go in the summertime um, in, in the Cyclades Islands. So it's more in the sort of middle to south. Wow. Sounds great. Yes. I haven't been. I'll add it to my oh, list. Oh, you should definitely add it to your list. <laughs> so in, in an alternate universe, if you didn't work in tech, mm-hmm. what would you be doing? Oh, wow. I love that question. 
And ever since I was younger, I wanted to always be an international DJ. And I, yeah, very different. Cool. Um, so international DJ, traveling the world. And I, I feel that music really transcends race, gender, money, and it just unites people. And I just think it's so euphoric. So I always had that as my alternative dream job. I love it. <laughs> and we are curating a list of must-read books that we'll share with our community. So do you have a book recommendation? Um, I quite like Atomic Habits by James Clear. I think that's really interesting. It's about doing things in micro stages and changing good hab- uh, changing bad habits or uh, gaining good habits. So it's not about what you want, it's about how you get there. And that book, I think, is quite useful in helping that. I agree. Thank you so much. It has been a great pleasure. Thank you um, for having me. And it's, it's been an honour. It's been our first, very first of many. And Katerina, honestly, you're welcome back at any time. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Together we will continue to break bias, bridge the gap and inspire the next generation that they are braver than they believe, stronger than they seem and smarter than they think. Join us for the next episode of The Impact Room, hosted by myself, Natalie Gohan.